Hi everyone, this is Joshua Hoffman and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success and discuss a few things they learned along the way. Today I have Glenn Pash, like Cash, as, as he said right before the <laughs> or that in the world, you know? uh, the CEO and partner of PCG Digital, the award-winning internet marketing, consulting, and training company specializing in SEO, PPC, social media advertising, WordPress website design, content writing, online training, and more. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And so I want to start with a story that you previously told me, and that's when you initially wanted to start your firm. You actually had all these people saying they're in. I think you actually put a number of 30. I don't know if that was literal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, when you started, no one was actually ready is the, is the word that you actually use. So you tell us a little bit more about that story. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I was starting um, my firm, I joined my brother, but I was also doing my own little consulting on the side. And when I had left the previous job, I started reaching out to friends and business people that I knew. And I said, I'm going to go start my own company. And they were all, this is a great idea. When when you're ready, we'll be there. We We want you to, we want to work with you. And lo and behold, when I launched the company, I went back and I said, okay, I have my company, let's do business. And almost 90% of them then backpedaled. Well, you know, the time's not right. Oh, well, we really can't do it right now. Um, You know, it really isn't my decision. And so the, the conversation where you and I were talking previously about it was this idea of when someone is starting a business. From a, a theoretical standpoint, when you're telling all of your friends and your family about your idea, there's they're going to be supportive and they want to be supportive. But when it comes down to taking a chance, as much as they love you, on a new company from something they already know, in our case, marketing, they may have a marketing company, to take that risk is a little scary. Doesn't mean that they won't come with you, but it might take six months, eight months, a year of you to have a little bit of a proven track record. Then I think that's step. So again, when you're starting any business, an agency or any type of company, level set your expectations of what you think you're going to ramp up right out of the way just because somebody's telling you it's a great idea. So I guess if everyone, you know, after you start says the time's not right and, and you kind of have to build that track record. How did you, did you do any newsletter? Like how did you keep them involved? Did any of them eventually become a customer or anything? Yeah, over time people did. Uh, the way that when I joined my brother in the agency, cause he was starting it and, and we partnered, we both have different skill sets, which, you know, now almost 20 years together seems to work well. We're not competing for the same space or, or, or attention, let's say, as, as owners and, and, and leaders. Um, he was very good, always very good with vision, ideas, let's try this, let's go. And I came from more of an operational background. So I was, well, let's make sure we know how to do this. And a lot of times we used to joke, he would have an idea, throw it over his shoulder, and I'd pick it up and go, okay, let's see how we build this. But he made me a little more uh, risk tolerant, tolerant, I guess would be the right word because I believed that I knew how to build it. So I didn't have to think it through. I also slowed him down a little bit to make sure that we could deliver. Um, 
So I think eventually over time, what we were doing is having repeatable processes, uh, some results, but how we grew our business was through content. And this was before content was cool, so to speak. Uh, we were speaking at conferences. We were, you know, online. This is years back where listeners may know Discord now. They they used to have some of the online forums pre-Discord, and that's where you built had conversations every night with people and built your reputation. And then you started writing articles, be it a newsletter, uh, be it on LinkedIn, and just starting to put it out there that you were an expert or that you knew what you were talking about through content that was helpful to the consumer, not a sales pitch. It's like working with your brother. Uh, it's everything you think of, both good and bad. Um, you know, we know each other well enough to trust each other. Uh, we definitely get each under each other's skin at times. But he and I have always had, I have, there's four brothers, so there's five boys all in total. And he and I just have always, since we've been little, you know, can, can work well. And as I said, we're not competing for the same focus. So that allows him to go do what he does. I go do what I do. And it seems to work out really well. So I guess you, you joined your brother, it sounds like, with mm-hmm. he started. How did you guys get your first customer? Well, he had some customers. So the way he started it and got his first customer, well, I had left a business and I was starting my own consulting company to do operational training development system. Um, And so how I got my first customers is I started reaching out to people I had met at conferences to just say, hey, I'm starting my company. I think I can help you with training and come in and work and work with your team and make your team perform better. And, you know, a lot of no's and a few yeses and, you know, then got some, got them to write a little testimonial for me to be able to say, well, so-and-so or ask them for a referral. Do you know someone? So it's a lot of, you know, hand-to-hand combat. My brother, when he was starting the digital agency, it originally was just SEO. Well, he went to everyone he did business with, you know, so he went to the person who did his LASIK eye surgery and went to a friend who had a yearbook company and went to the automotive dealer that he leased his vehicle from. And, oh, his friend had a restaurant. And, you know, so that really became the friends and family uh, initially. And then, as I said, automotive, where we have a lot of our clients, just happened to be an industry at that time that was starting to have conferences where you could go speak or you could get a booth. or And so we realized we need to be in the front of the room speaking. So the audience would say, oh, that's they sound pretty smart. And so when you're standing in front of a room of 50 people or 100 people, you get 10 people to come up afterwards and say, I really like what you were talking about. Here's my card. And slowly that started to build the momentum of being in front of people with our message and cobbled together with the results we were getting. And so that's how we've been growing the business. And we still continue to grow the business the exact same way. That, that was exactly my next question. Is that how you continue to do it? Is there any other ways that you get, call it like net new business, or is it mainly? same way that you've been doing it. 
Well, interesting enough, um, we still write. So, you know, you're leveraging LinkedIn, their newsletter feature. We have an email newsletter that goes out to our database. Uh, we're doing lives, you know, so we're on podcasts. My brother has a podcast. I have a podcast. We have, we go live on LinkedIn to communicate. We have a webinar series now that our company does. Um, so we're doing free webinars as well as probably about 10, 11 years ago, you know, my brother and I were attending conferences and we looked at each other and said, we could do a better job than these folks are doing. And so we started conferences and we had a couple or we did small little road shows where we'd go to different cities and announce it and you'd get 40, 50 people there for the day of training. And you'd talk about analytics and websites and marketing messages or training and that you you would put yourself in front of people. And now we host two very large uh, conferences in the automotive uh, space focusing on marketing, training, technology. And, you know, we're getting three to 400 people at each of these every year. And so I, I, I think that's part of how we continue to grow is just where are the eyeballs and can is there a way for us to get in front of people with an educational message? And that's always been our tact is we are teachers at heart. My brother was a teacher. I like coaching. I like teaching. And so that's really the way our conferences are and all of our, our communication out into uh, uh, with any of our content. So the podcast, I want to ask a quick question there um, sure. for anyone on the video that can see your background. Your background's like made for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you have like the figurines, the books, and then the on-air thing. Um, so what made you want to start the podcast and has it been helpful? Uh, well, I have a couple friends in the industry who have had podcasts and I've been on their podcasts and they say, you know, you really ask good questions, so you should do one. And it took me about a year of them in my ear, but actually it was during COVID because I was sitting at home. Our, our company was fully remote. And I said, all right, I'm going to do it because again, it was a little bit of finally, all right, I'll do it. So you stop yelling at me. Uh, and actually it's funny because I did switch to background. I have a wall that I'm actually looking at that I put up brick, you know, wallpaper and have a couple pictures up. So I, <clears throat> I had, uh, recorded and produced 150 episodes over a year and a half. Uh, and then I took a break. Now I'm recording new episodes again. So I said, oh, I need a new background. But it's been very helpful, but it's a lot of work, as you know, um, to either you're going to do it yourself or you're going to have a company help you do it or someone's going to help you do it because, one, you want really good content. You want to make sure it looks well. You got to get the guests on. Um, and there's an art to doing it after time and time and time again to know how to control a conversation, ask good questions, keep it concise right? So it doesn't drone on forever. And then how do you promote it? So it has been very helpful because um, people reach out, which is very odd. Uh, they're All of a sudden, people are like, I want to be on your podcast. I'm like, how the hell did you find out about my podcast? Um, and so it's opened a lot of different doors for me to go speak, to do some business. Uh, so it has been very helpful. And it's also a good outlet uh, for me just to get to know people beyond what the that image you see all the time i like i like talking more about who they are and their journeys uh and my podcast is focused on 
Uh, it's called You're in Charge, Now What? And it was built basically because I was coaching a lot of managers and people in, in business that were promoted to a position to lead a team or head up a project. And they were left on their own. They're like, I don't know how to do this. And there was very limited uh, training that they could do. So I said, well, why don't we have conversations with people who have done it and give them some tactical advice of here, what do you do in your first 30 days? How do you lead through change? How do you communicate with people? Um, and it's been very successful and, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback. Do you recommend other businesses, any business start a podcast, specific businesses start a podcast? Uh, oh, any project. So I, I look at podcasting as a type of marketing. So it's, it's, if you're going to put the time in, it's always about what's point B. It's the way I always think through things. What's point B? Why am I doing this? Because it does take a lot of time. Now, again, if you're a company and you're, you have production and all you're doing as the host is walking in, interviewing, and then someone else cuts, does everything else. Absolutely. But if it's your time and effort, especially if, you know, if your audience is someone who's saying, hey, we're newer at this or we're building this, it does take a lot of time. I think it's great, but you have to have an opinion and 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 why, who's the audience you're doing this for and keep it focused because it's very easy to try to please everybody or flow with the wind versus no, this is my niche. This is who I'm talking to. And this is the problem I'm going to solve for my audience then it's easier to do it. So it is work. I think it's helpful. Uh, and doing it for the long term, because there's so many podcasts that die out. When I told somebody how many episodes I have, they, they their jaw dropped because yeah. they said most people don't even make it to 10. And I said, well, I, I learned from, again, my friend who's been doing it for seven, eight years. And he just said, it's the long game. He goes, it's just one of those things where eventually people will find you. They'll come and listen. Then they'll drop off. Then they'll come back and hear you again. So the really is who you're doing it for and why are you doing it is if you're trying to make money at it or create some big audience, that's like saying, well, I got to make a viral video. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I couldn't agree more. You mentioned uh, previously that I guess it was your friends or family say that you ask good questions. And, mm -hmm. and actually, that's why I got this host job, I guess you would say as well. Um, my friend who kind of invited me on to this and said, you ask great questions, your personal Volvo. I don't want to talk about myself, but um, but what do you think is the reason that you ask good questions? I'm curious. I listen. And I just really relax. I I I don't know if it was if, if I think through, but I I have a couple points that I want to talk to someone about. So there's a purpose to the episode, or there's a topic, you know. So one I the one of the last ones was the the first four four or five episodes of this new season were about change. So some it's personal change. So one person who was running a company is now doing some more like working on this board and I'm helping out this and I'm thinking, how are, how are you flexing to be able to do that? Another person just left a, a, a company that they've been with for years to turn around and start their own company. I was like, well, what's that journey like? Or someone who left automotive retail and went to a vendor and said, well, what's that like? So, um, 
I'm always curious. And, and the point is, is I try to sit there and think like the audience. If I have a question, I try to say, like, if I hear it in my head, wait a minute, what was that? I take notes and then I'll ask the questions. And I think that's where um, the host's job is, is to sort of guide the conversation and ask the questions that the audience probably will ask. And I think that's what it is. So I don't know if it's I purposely prepare questions. It's just have that conversation and be curious. Well, to that point, every question that I've asked so far has been like not my standard questions and everything. So <laughs> good. I like uh, that. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and for me, it's, it's, you know, like I know my story already. I don't, you know, I don't need to, I don't feel like I need to tell my story. I don't know your story. So let mm-hmm. me ask you to, to learn your story. Sure. Um, so on top of the podcast, you've also been an author of two books. So mm-hmm. how the heck do you do so much? Well, the books were done uh, a while ago, uh, 2017, 2020. Um, and of course, I have another two books I'm working on. I think a lot of it is not beating myself up about n- not accomplishing certain things because, again, I'm a father. I own a business. I travel. I do on-site client work. Um and so there's always these projects, but what I've done over, I've gotten better. And I think COVID actually helped because you couldn't travel for a while. So you really had to get organized on how to communicate. And so really it's, it's, I found two things that have helped me. One is the remarkable tablet. I love that because again, the remark, I'm not a plug. I'm not a, I am not paid to talk about remarkable. Um, but I love that because it syncs up with my computer and I can write and I keep notes and I can be very organized. And then I just use my calendar to block out time. I used to use the app Todoist, which also was a really good tool. But for me, I just block out time. And I really have gotten better over the last year and a half, two years of putting time on my calendar to work on a project as if it was a meeting, right? So for instance, we blocked out this hour on the calendar for the podcast and nothing else matters. Anybody else who wanted this time, sorry, I'm not available. And so for me, I started treating my projects with that same sense of importance as this podcast. And what happened was, is people were okay with going, all right, I'll talk to you too. Now I'm busy from one to two. I'm working on this project. Okay, two, three. Now once in a while, no, I really need to do. Okay, I can move it. But once I did that and plotted it all out, uh, what ended up happening was is I knew where I was on all the projects. Instead of trying to accomplish them all, I would say, well, I'm working on this. You know, I'm working on a, a, a presentation for a conference in 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 two months that I'm speaking at. Well, but they need it. So I'm dedicating time or I'm dedicating time to write this article or I'm dedicating time to do this for a client. And by doing that, it allows it not to stay up in my head anymore. And all I have to do is trust it is that I can spend this hour with you. I'm not worried about anything else because I already know when I'm done with this, what's next. And I know it's later today and I know it's tomorrow versus, oh, I got so much to do. It, it really isn't. And, and, and the more organized you can be, the more present you can be, the more relaxed you can be, because my calendar tells me what I need to do. I still have those. Oh, God, am I up to date? But I, that's the way I've been able to work on the projects. 
Very interesting. Yeah, I I live on my calendar, and and actually every morning I look at my calendar and I I go to my watch and I say schedule or you know send an alarm for two minutes before, and I literally just two mm-hmm. minutes before everything to make sure you're you're there. And what that does is it frees my mind to not always be looking at my calendar to be like what's next, what's next, and it just I get the ping on my on my phone, um, and that allows me to move on to the next thing. So I think that was a great point. Um, I'm jumping around here a little bit, but I can't sure. get out of this and not talk about your previous acting experience. Um, so <laughs> what, I guess I want to hear what you acted in and, and that life. Uh, but also what did you take from that world and brought into business? Uh, great question. Uh, I always loved TV as a kid. I didn't understand how to become an actor, but when I, and I wanted to take a class in high school, my father said, no, so, you know, stick with what you were doing. So when I went to college, I didn't get a degree in acting because I didn't make sense to me. Like either you know how to do it or you don't. A degree is not getting you a job on Broadway or, you know, it's either you can do it or not. So I started filling up some of my electives with that. And, and I, I enjoyed the rehearsal process. I enjoyed the, uh, digging through the character. I liked the performing, but in a weird way, the performing was not, it was really that journey that I really enjoyed. Uh, Then I went to New York City and I said, okay, I'm going to try this. And I started working in, you know, off-off Broadway theater companies, off-Broadway, you know, auditioning uh, for Broadway, never quite got to Broadway, but then also in terms of films, doing student films, doing extra work in films and, you know, doing stand-in, anything to be around that. And then, you know, I do some regional shows and work on a tour. But then after about 12 years, 10 years, I just said, you know what, I've done this. I just don't, I didn't see that next step. Now, maybe it was around the corner and I stopped too soon. I don't know. I just said, you know what? I gave it a shot. I can put it to rest. I don't have to ever go back and go, oh, if only I worked harder because I thought I did as best I could. And um, so what I took from it actually was this idea of willingness to work diligently you know, having multiple jobs because you're always hustling around and doing things. Um, but the biggest thing was being able to get on stage and communicate well. Uh, my uh, One of my acting teachers always said, you have to learn how to speak well because you can't have sloppy speech off stage and then turn it on on stage. And I think really for me, working on stage more than I did film really prepares you to communicate to an audience to feel comfortable on stage. Um, you know, and also if anything goes wrong, you know how to do it because when you're on stage, it's eight o'clock, that curtain's going up. There is no, Oh, well, we're not. It's like, I don't care how you feel. I don't care what's going on. That audience paid it's eight o'clock. Let's do the show. And there are times where things don't go well, but the audience doesn't know if you don't tell them something went wrong, maybe somebody comes in the wrong entrance or they say the wrong line. Well, you can't stop and say, hey, you got to go back. You just figure it out. So now if I'm doing a presentation and the the presentation dies, you know, the, the projector dies, not, I'm, okay, we don't have that. Let's talk because I know what I want to talk about. I don't need that uh, versus someone else who's done it. And also I rehearse. And that's the other thing that uh, I think more speakers should do, and the really good ones do it, 
And that's why it looks effortless is because they practice it over and over and over enough that they know this is, this is where I need to hit at what certain times. And so that's what I've uh, been able to do. Uh, and I think that was one of the biggest things that I took from it. That's interesting. Okay, real story behind why I got this podcast job is I was at a pitch event and there was two people pitching um, and one of them didn't show up. So the, the, the MC or whatever was like, all right, we'll move on. And, and I, I raised my hand. I was like, if, if no one's pitching, do you mind if I just pitch my company real quick? And I had my flash drive. drive. I had everything mm-hmm. memorized already. Um, so and then, you know, I, I was relatively comfortable just kind of going up there. So no, that's a that's a great story. Do you think I'll ever go back to acting? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I get my, as my wife says, you you satisfy that, you scratch that itch when you're speaking at conferences or you're leading workshops or when you're, you know, when you're on site working with people, that communication, you know, because she always says to me, which is very odd, she goes, you know, you're a very you're a shy person, you know, you're more introverted, meaning me, I'm more introverted. One of my worst, most uncomfortable environments would be going to a conference where I don't know anybody, because I'm just not that person who walks up and goes, hi, how are you doing? Let's talk. And she laughs, she goes, but put you on stage. And you you're, you could talk to 5000 people and it would you wouldn't bat an eye. And I said, yeah, but I feel more protected and comfortable up there uh, versus, you know, I'm going around and trying to talk to somebody. And so it's a weird dichotomy where she she's in business and she goes, she's great in the smaller rooms, but she could never do the stage. And I'm sort of the reverse. That's interesting. Uh, a few questions I, I tend to ask towards the end. Um, sure. If you want to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? If I wanted to teach something? Oh, so there's a couple things that I that I've been running through this la- or, or or encountering this last probably 2-3 weeks and I'm hearing it having multiple conversations. So whenever that happens I go, okay, this must be happening more and more and more. One is for true marketers out there, analytics GA4 is coming in July. It better be set up on your website today. If it's not, you're going to miss you know, tracking what's going on because Universal, the old analytics is stopping aggregating data July 1st. And so one, you need to be prepared. But more importantly is really understanding and communicating to whoever you're doing the marketing for. We all have a tendency that we assume everybody understands what we're doing. And we're also afraid to really spell it out because we don't want to come across condescending or talk to them like they don't really understand. But a lot of people don't understand. And then we start talking in, oh, your CPM's in this and the person's nodding their head and they have no idea what you're talking about. So don't be afraid to ask your client, what's your level of understanding of this? One to five, five being like it's you master it. I want, if it's a one, great, let's get you to a one and a half. Let's get you to, to a two. It's going to help you be a partner to them versus just a vendor or an agency who's trying to sell them things. And there's sort of that disconnect. And then the last thing I would say is watch the delta of what you're missing. And what I mean by that is if you've tagged your website correctly, right, whatever interactions you want, you're driving traffic to someone's website, they have call to actions. 
we all get excited about how many people click and give me their name and got our leads or whatever, however we want to track that conversion. What happens is, is sometimes we don't look at the delta of how many people clicked it and left. Like if your button says, hey, is this available? And you click on that, but I need to know your name before I tell you. Some people are, uh, I'm out. And so what happens is, is you, you, we get excited that, oh my God, I got 50 people's name. But if I actually look at it, there are 500 people who clicked that button. 450 people, I sort of pissed off for some reason. And so we're judging the marketing sometimes on this end result, but we're not looking at all the interactions on the website to see how can we remove obstacles, move more people down the funnel into that engagement. People had a question and you're... So I think th those those couple things would be very helpful. And maybe stop. Don't be so obsessed with call like vanity metrics, I think maybe is, is sort of what you're saying there too. What do you enjoy talking about the most that you normally don't get an opportunity to talk about? And that doesn't have to be marketing. That can, it can be anything. Um, it's funny. I do talk about certain things. I like talking about and working with people about how to be better leaders or, or not leaders like, oh, I'm inspirational, but more the day-to-day -day of how to really inspire your team, make sure your team, like, again, if you're leading a team of people, how are you, you know, are you achieving the results you want? How are you getting them to do better? And I, I think it's methodical. And also then talking in terms of businesses is I, 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 again, I touch on it. I always would love to do more of it, but really helping companies realize, right? So again, you were talking earlier, like an agency or whatever business is we have a tendency to work in the wrong direction. Hop down, push. Here's what we're going to do to the consumer instead of reversing it and saying, okay, after a customer does business with me, how do I want them to feel? Feel, not, oh, they bought something. I want them to feel a certain way, whether it's online or in person. Then it's working backwards. What does my team have to do actions in order to make them feel that way? And then we take those actions and we build a process. Great. Then I can hire the people to do the process. I know what type of people I need to do that. Sometimes we just hire people and we put them into a situation that that's not the right person because we didn't think it through. Then you can move backwards to say, okay, well, how do we train our people? What technology do we want to allow our team and the customers to be successful, right? But we're working everything backwards. And once you have that laid out, then anytime you want to make a change, go to a conference, you hear some great idea, you see a new piece of technology and you're like, that's awesome. Well, now I have a path that I can say, is this an add-on or is it a replacement? How am I met? It could be, you know what? This is not right for my company because it doesn't fit what I'm trying to do. But it becomes more thoughtful, more methodical. And so that's something that I, I like talking about because I talk about marketing, I talk about people, but it, it is that organizational structure. I think a lot of companies uh, don't, don't pay enough attention to that. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's great. Um, are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? Uh, yeah, we're always looking. Uh, we, I think, currently at the time of this recording, we're looking for some social media uh, specialists, and uh, of course, we're looking for salespeople. Uh, we want to uh, add to our team uh, uh, to grow our agency business. Uh, so, yeah, but you can go to our website. We have uh, different opportunities up, or I think we have our ads on Workable and things like that. And then last question, any 
you got some on the in, in the bookshelf. Any book or podcast recommendations? Uh yeah. The 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 book is an older one uh that um uh, always had a big impact. It's it was uh by a gentleman named Ferdinand Fornis, F-O-U-R-N-I-S-S. And it was why employees don't do what you want them to do and how to fix it. And it was really impactful about the reason why people are not doing what you want them to do is probably because you didn't do a good job explaining it to them or coaching them or teaching them. You know, we want to blame them, but in reality, uh, my my belief is that people come to work and want to do a good job. They're They're trying to do a good job. They're doing what they think is right. So if you're not getting the results, well, go look at what they're doing. And maybe you don't have a process right now. It was just verbal or you're not tra- training them or you're not coaching them or you're not involved with them. And so that one was a really, really big one. And then the other, the podcast, I, 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 I like my friends. It's called The Dealer Playbook. He talks about automotive. Uh, but then also I love Pivot. Uh, you know, with uh, Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher. I listen to that occasionally just because it's topical. It's, uh, um, you know, it things, it, it's a variety of things in the tech space, in the business space. They have great guests. They do a good job of interviewing as well. So those are the two podcasts. But that book, like I said, it's been around for a while, but I give it to people all the time. I don't know if this is in the book, but I just want to quickly add something that, you know, I think it's also really important to give employees the why of, of what they're doing, mm-hmm. not what, um, because honestly, you might even get different results based on giving them the why of, again, why they're doing something instead of just being like, do this. Um, well, it's, it, and it's two whys to make sure. And, and it's a great point, uh, but it's two whys. Why is this important to you personally? What's in it for you? Could it be, hey, if you continue to do this, one generates more revenue depending on your position. It could be the success, longevity of the company, promotions, right? Great. But then why is it important to the company, right? So I think those two whys, because if it's just about me, then what happens is, is I don't care about anybody else. I'm just going to do whatever I have to do to be successful versus your actions are setting our company up for success and long-term and growth. So you're right. But people need to understand what they're doing, why they have to do it for each of them. And then really the big one is how. How are we to do it? The problem with training people, and I'll, I'll close on this, is that the problem is, is that we, somewhere along the line, we forget how we learned. Meaning when we were young in school, right, I've senior now and a freshman, but all through school, and when they were young, we showed them what to do. We showed them how to throw a baseball, showed them how to ride a bike, showed them how to do things, showed them how to hold a pencil, showed them how to do math. And somebody was always there watching them, giving them feedback on how to do things. And eventually they got better and better and better, but they were still taught that way. But then somewhere after we become 18 and we get into the workplace, all we do is tell people. So huh. for 18 years, I've been shown how to do something. Like think about driving a car. 10 and 2, and this is how you do it. We showed people how to do it. And at somewhere along the line, when we're in business, we think that's condescending. Wow. And so we tell people. And when I tell you, if I told you what I want, you've got a picture in your head of how to get there. It probably is not the same picture that's in my head. And that's why there's always a disconnect of results. And then when I come talk to you, 
people listening, think of how many times either you said it or if you're leading a team, you heard it. Oh, is that what I, oh, I thought you meant. That's because you didn't take the time to say, okay, here's how we're going to do it. Let me show you how to do it. Then let me watch you do it. Because then if I see you're doing it, then it's great. Then there's no wiggle room. Now, if I come back a day later, two days later, and maybe you drifted back to old habits, I can say, well, wait a minute. What do you remember from training? What do we? What were you doing? The other? Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. But I can get you back on track. And there's no arguments of, oh, I didn't understand. Is that what you thought? So I think when you're training, like you said, the why is important, but that how showing them how to do it, will it's a little extra in the front end, but it will save you so much time long-term. I'm really glad you brought that up. I thought that was crucial in that conversation. As we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Oh, great. Yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, for me, uh, I'd love to connect with people. If you reach out to me, I will, you know, you know, on DMs or whatever. And I talk to people all the time. If they, if you have questions about anything we chatted about, you know, reach out to me. But LinkedIn, Twitter are usually the two places I hang out a lot. And it's just my name, Glenn Pash. Uh, my company website is pcgdigital.com. The podcast is You're In Charge Now What? It's on every podcast platform. And there is a YouTube channel as well. So come in on that and uh yeah pretty much that that's where you can find me that that was awesome thank you so much for coming on the show and for those of you who learned something new from this episode please consider giving us a like or a follow so we can continue getting great guests uh and as always thank you for listening glenn this was an awesome episode really enjoyed it thank you thank you very much for having me thanks for listening to the masters in marketing agency podcast i hope you got a ton of value out of this episode and before we go i just want to thank our sponsors dev noodle DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.